Hi there. Do you want to write fiction that readers gush about, but you can't figure out how to fill in the beginning, middle, or end of your story? I can help with that. Do you struggle to flesh out character or plot or to stick with your story long enough to finish it? I can help with that. Once your book is written, are you totally clueless about marketing? Do you find yourself Googling how to market a book or how to make money on fiction? I can help with that. Welcome to the Prolific Author Podcast. You know you're meant to write fiction, but you can't seem to nail down the skills or processes that make it simple and repeatable, not to mention fun. So you wait around for the muse to show up, try to force your story into a template or outline, or take months, if not years, to discover your story. Plot twist, there's a better way. Hi, I'm Liesl, USA Today bestselling author, story psychologist, writing craft geek, Christian, and story clarity coach. After 10 years of trying to master fiction using the old industry standard writing advice, I still felt lost. I finally learned what fictional storytelling and the human template are really about. Humanity, emotional connection, and serving our readers by giving them relief through vicarious experience. Imagine learning how to flesh out your characters, plot, world, and theme with such definition and clarity that every story you ever write lands with readers and makes people go, wow, now there's an author. Imagine knowing how to drill down to the heart of your story to learn what it's really about and tell the unique story that only you can tell so that you can get more readers, more downloads, more royalties, and of course, more fiction writing success. This is the podcast for you. We are prolific authors. All right. Welcome back to the Prolific Author Podcast. We are here today with my buddy, Adam Scheibel. How are you today, Adam? I am awesome. I am so honored that you invited me to be on. Uh, you've been on my show for a podcast. Oh, I love talking to specifically authors in the podcasting space. I was just kind of letting you know that I think that's a pretty interesting conversation to have. And you, you all tend to really create great content. So uh, yeah, I, I'm always excited to be a guest on on the, anybody's show that's a fellow pod pal. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I'm really glad you're here. Um, one thing that I really want to dig into today is that, you know, I think every, anyone could can see that things like video and audio stuff like podcasts are really big these days, but authors, a lot of times, especially fiction authors have a hard time with that. So I kind of want to dig into that and kind of give some people some ideas for maybe how they could um, make use of that to promote themselves and their books and that sort of thing. But why don't we start by talking about who you are? Um, introduce yourself. Like you said, I was on your podcast and you um, helped me with my podcast. So tell everyone who you are and what you do. Yeah. So uh, I am a full-time podcaster. I am definitely a card-carrying podcast addict. And <laughs> uh, you know, I, there's no shame in that. But my show is called Podcasting Business School. So I tend to help podcasters that are community builders, they're service providers, um, you know, so somebody that has a program, product, or service like a book or, you know, something to that sort, uh, I help them curate the right audience and create super fans. And then a lot of those super fans become paying customers of your programs, products, and services. So that's really what I specialize in. And I started podcasting back way back in the the olden times of 2015. So I'm in my seventh year. Uh, I've had three different shows and three different niches. I've monetized them all in lots of different ways. One of my big selling factors for my coaching is that I have made every mistake possible, uh, <laughs> whether it comes to audio mistakes, from monetization mistakes, marketing, social media. I've messed up every possible thing in the podcasting journey, but 
I eventually figured out how to fix it. And that's what I teach my students is let's do that first instead of the route that I took, which is long and, and windy, but, um, <laughs> I'm almost 800 episodes in from all my different shows. I'm wow. past three, 300 episodes of podcasting business school now, which I'm really thrilled about. And I love every second of it. So that's something that I believe there's a special part of podcasting that serves audiences in a unique way where we get to insert ourselves in people's life routines, where if you have a favorite podcast, you probably listen to it on a specific day at a specific time while you're doing a specific thing. And people can't consume other content like that. Even books, like people can listen to my show while they're, and I mean, audiobooks, same thing as a podcast. Okay. Well, we got that, right. but like YouTube or email marketing or social media, people don't do those things while they're driving their kids to school or working out or whatever. So um, you get kind of inserted in that person's life routine and that there's power in that. So let's, mm -hmm. let's dig into this conversation. I'm, <laughs> I'm fired up. Yeah. Well, I was going to say that that makes me think of, I, I've, I've been hearing lately that even on YouTube, more and more people will turn on YouTube, but listen to it rather than watch it. And it's because they want to be multitasking. They want to be cleaning or doing, you know, so of course they watch a video if it's like a how to, and they're trying to figure out how to fix a car or something, but Beyond that, when it comes to more the the information, they're actually listening on YouTube more than they're watching. Have you heard that? Oh yeah, yeah. And those are people that just haven't found podcasting yet, <laughs> or, yeah. or maybe the, their favorite YouTuber doesn't have a podcast, and right. they need to start listening to my show and get a podcast going. But yeah, it's just it's effective, it's efficient, and that's where like that's why I preach on consistency too. Like I want weekly content because let's say you find a favorite show and you're obsessed with it. And then they take a break for three or four weeks. And you're like, wow, I got in this routine of listening while I walk my dog every Wednesday, something else, they're gonna find other audio to fill that void and you may not get mm -hmm. your real estate back. So that's when I teach my students. I'm like, listen, let's find a way to get weekly content out there so that once you, you do the search engine optimization and you're creating interesting content, the right person finds you, they get obsessed with your show, let's just, keep them obsessed with your show and not give them a reason to find somebody else to fill that void. So um, right. that that's, that's a big part of it too. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I was going to ask why the audio visual is so important today. And I think you kind of answered that, but one thing that I've been thinking about a lot lately is that your personality is always going to come across on your podcast and that in kind of a subconscious way makes people connect with you if they, kind of agree with your vibe. Um, I was thinking about this in terms of I have a sister and we listen to different commentators when it comes to politics and we believe the same things, but we don't like the same shows. And I realized that it's because I'm more like the people that I listen to. And so the people she listens to, she's more like, and that person doesn't vibe with me. But I, I kind of realized that because one of the people I listened to, she said something about her personality and I was like, oh my gosh, she's exactly like me. That's why I connect with her, whereas I might not connect with a different person, even though they're kind of preaching the same things in terms of the politics of it, you know? So, I mean, what do you, what do you think about that in terms of podcasting? Oh, I a million percent agree. And because I know there are authors out there going, why the heck would I want to do a podcast? I, mm -hmm. I write and that's what I'm best at, but let's use one of my favorite authors, Gretchen Rubin. All right. I am obsessed with Gretchen Rubin. I love all of her <laughs> stuff. If she puts something out, I buy it 100%. I don't even think about it anymore. Mm -hmm. um, Michael Hyatt is the same way. He puts something out, I buy it. Don't even ask. I've talked to both of these people on 
my podcast before. So that that's one of the cool things about podcasting is you get access to really cool people like that. But all that aside, you look at Gretchen Rubin's show. She very rarely ever teaches what she's teaching in her book. She touches on it. I mean, they mention it, but it's not like, that's not what it's all about. You know, she's mm-hmm. got all sorts of different nooks and crannies that her and her sister cover in her show. And like, it's, it's super cool. And what she's done is she's created a community building hub for people that are her ideal book buyers and readers to hang out and to kind of have that chat about that, those topics that she does cover, but also subtopics that are of interest to that group. So she's basically curated this avatar book buyer, book reader, book consumer. And she's like, what would they be interested in? Let's have all sorts of conversations around those, those tangential topics. And she gives her people that connection. Now she's that voice in their head and they love her personality. And that's what makes me buy all her stuff. Cause I'm like, Gretchen is my girl. Like I vibe with her like that's. And so when she teaches via the written word, sometimes that doesn't come through if it's just the written word. Cause I'm trying to figure out in my head, like, what does she actually sound like? What's her personality like? So now she's in my earbuds every week. And I'm like, I get, I, I feel like I can understand the vibe that she's trying to get across in her book when she's trying to teach us a concept. So the podcast allows for her community to gather and, and kind of um, build in a spot and have a, a place to go. And then when her new stuff comes out, yeah, they are much more connected to that because now we've leveled everybody up into super fans because we've been in their earbuds every single week and talk about a, pr- a promotion vehicle. My mm-hmm. goodness. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, okay. So I'm thinking this through in my head as you're talking. So kind of what you're saying is that you don't want to be too direct on your podcast. It's more like having, like you said, tangential conversations. So, you know, in terms of especially fiction authors, because it's, 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 I think it's more common for nonfiction authors to have podcasts because there's all these things they can talk about, you know, that are nonfiction, but with fiction authors, I know that they get stuck and they say, okay, well, what could I even talk about on a podcast? Yeah. I could read excerpts from my book, but that's only going to go so far. Um, you know, and then that kind of just becomes a live audio book really. And so it's not, it's not really a podcast in, in the traditional sense, but you're saying they should have conversations around what they write. Like, maybe their, um, their genre or other books in their niche, or, yeah. you know, what do you, what do you think? What would you tell a fiction author yeah, yeah. to talk about? Well, let's look at, uh, I, I mentioned before we start recording my friend summer, uh, who's mm-hmm. got a podcast called the, the, the H E a book club, which stands for happily ever after she's a romance book author and fictional, you know, romance. And, um, I, 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 are there any like, nonfiction romance books. I don't know, like true stories. Of <laughs> yeah. True stories, things. I guess. <laughs> um, so anyway, she's a romance author and what she does is she has conversations that people that are into romance novels would be into. So they talk a lot about like sex and stuff like that on their show, <laughs> because that's kind of big in the romance novel space. That's a big selling factor. Right. Uh, so it's like whoever is reading your book, what interest do those, does that community have. Uh, mm-hmm. If you are creating, you know, sports nonfiction books or something like, okay, you can talk about sports on your show. If you're talking, if it's a story for, you know, that you think entrepreneurs would really be into, 
Uh, like you could talk to real life entrepreneurs and you can relate it to your characters or something like that. But then again, like what you said earlier, you can be doing little reviews of other books in the space, having other authors in that niche on your podcast to talk and talk about their latest book. You're creating this hub of mm -hmm. people that love your genre and you're like, you're bringing in and make, be in this connector. So other authors talking about other books, bring audience members on your show and do a little panel and be like, all right, top five, blah, blah, blah books, you know, whatever the genre is, or what's your book of the month that you would recommend. Uh, I've been messing with this audio app called SpeakPipe. This would be great for this. It's free. You have this little button that your audio, you can put on your website or email or whatever click here and record an audio clip and it just loads up to the cloud. Then the podcaster can take it and put it on your show. What I would do is go, give me your top romance novel recommendation. What's, what's your top three or your top one or your top author. And then take that audio, put it at the end of the show. And that way people stay all the way to the end and go, and now here are your top recommendations of this month for top romance novels to, to be checking out. Boom. And you roll that audio. They're a part of your show. It's super easy to do. And mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's um, stuff like that. Authors need to be thinking about how do I nurture this community and get them obsessed with hanging out with me uh, yeah. and, and, and being a part of this genre. Like Summer's done a really nice job with, you know, she said some people feel kind of guilty about the romance. It's like a guilty pleasure. Like, oh, I feel kind of <laughs> weird because I, I do this, but I'm into it. And yeah. she gives them a safe space where they can go and be like, we can talk about all the stuff we want to talk about. And, mm -hmm. um, and it's, that's super cool. So what does that look like for your genre? You know, are you writing children's stories? You know, what conversations, who's reading them? Is it parents with their children or is it more like, like I've got a son that's 11 and he is into certain types of books that he'll read on his own or whatever, obviously. Um, mm -hmm. And I've got a second grader and like, we're more like reading books with her. So what types of books, who's consuming them? What are their interests? And what would make them want to come and gather in your little ecosystem if you were to create a podcast? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it does. It's just all about building a community, which I think is, I mean, would you agree that's pretty much what we're trying to do with marketing is, is build some sort of community to connect with whoever we're trying to sell to. I was just yeah. thinking that what you said would be true too of um, doing an email marketing or creating a Facebook group or anything like that. I mean, you're, it's all trying to accomplish the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're, it's really about community. It's about engagement. It's about giving that, that place for your people to be your people. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. like, yeah, I, I put this out there to my, my clients all the time. Like I'm not getting any engagement. I hear that all the time. No audience <laughs> engagement. How do I fix it? And my main question is when are you giving your community a chance to be a community? Mm. And if I'm just flipping on my microphone and talking into it and going like, I'm tapping my toe, waiting for somebody to email me and tell them, tell me I just changed their life. Like that's probably not going to happen or it's going to mm -hmm. take a long time. But if I reach out and I go, you know, here's the button, click this button, send in an audio clip, give me your top blah, 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 book recommendation. People are going to start doing that. That's an easy step. And it's a little bit unique. And if they really are into your genre, they'll be about it. At least four or five people will, and you can put it on a show and people go, oh, that was cool. And then at the end of that, you go, do you have feedback? Hit the button in the show notes. Give me your, your thoughts. And all of a sudden, we're creating a conversation. Right. Uh, or you do something like what I do with my monthly Pod Pal Zoom party. I invite my listeners to come on. I'll have 20 or 25 podcasters come on to listen to my show. 
when we create content together, we have a conversation and, you know, I, I teach on a topic. We kind of open it up for discussion. We do podcaster speed dating. It's awesome. <laughs> and like, that's me allowing my community to be a community. They can talk to me, I can talk to them and they can talk to each other. And that's initiating engagement. We have to get off of our butt sometimes as marketers and go, I got to mm -hmm. go out and start conversations, not sit back and wait for the social media marketing magic to happen or whatever. It's like, <laughs> we just waste a lot of time. I'd much rather right. spend energy going out and like searching for the right people and starting a conversation. Like another example, and this is a great test uh, or an experiment, I should say that people can try. Mm -hmm. you'll get, you'll get immediate feedback. This is great for all brand builders. So let's say pick your social media platform that, that you're on. For me, it's Instagram. So if you you're on Instagram and you're focusing on that and that's where your people hang out, go to where you can see who, who is following you and find the last 10 people that followed your account and message them with a voice message on your phone and thank them for following you. It'll take less than a minute. Uh, like what I would do is be like, uh, what's up? This is Adam from podcasting business school. I just noticed that you followed me on here on Instagram. I just want to say, thank you. I appreciate you sending some of your attention in my direction. I'm here to interact. I'm not a bot. I'm a real person. If you have any questions about podcasting, I'd love to, uh, to dive into those. Don't be shy. Uh, I just released an episode about blah, blah, blah. I'd love for you to check it out. I'll post it in the next message. Boom. And you do 10 of those in 10 minutes, you will be blown away you'll get engagement. Now these people have interacted with you and they're like, they start showing up in your comments, like, Oh, oh great episode or whatever. <laughs> you know, I love this about your book. Oh, this is my favorite book that you wrote. And they're going to start commenting now that you've initiated engagement, they will reciprocate and you kind of broke the ice and mm -hmm. you'll get really positive feedback. I've never had anybody be like, unfollow you messaged me with politeness <laughs> and, and positivity you know uh that doesn't happen it might maybe you know, if, if yeah you if it does then probably this. no loss yeah 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 it's their problem not yours i'll just tell you that but stuff like that and getting off your butt and initiating engagement with your ideal book readers or podcast listeners that that's never a bad thing yeah yeah um a couple of things i want to unpack there i actually just did a, a interview with another author who he actually told me something similar about twitter he's really big on Twitter. And I was like, you know what? I've tried to do the Twitter thing in the past and I've never figured out really how to master it, you know, in a way that's, that's helpful to me. And that's pretty much what he said. Just ask questions and get responses. That's it. That's pretty much all he does. He doesn't necessarily retweet. He doesn't necessarily at people unless he's actually answering a question of theirs or something. And he gets massive, massive engagement from doing that in the book community. And I was like, oh, huh, yeah, I've never, that's one thing I've never done on Twitter. So yeah. that makes sense. <laughs> Yeah, who would have thought? Um, yeah, I know, right? Who, who would have thought? And, you know, I think people a lot of times, especially for authors who tend to be more introverted and kind of hide behind their computers a little bit, it, it can be a little bit intimidating for them. Um, so what would you tell someone who, you know, is a little bit nervous to put themselves out there and get started? Well, I would say that that's normal, 100%. Yeah. Like, I'm a pretty extroverted, like, I don't take myself too seriously kind of a guy. <laughs> and. <laughs> And I was nervous about it because we have that, what we call imposter syndrome of, mm -hmm. is what I'm trying to say, does that actually matter? Will anybody actually care? Um, and it can be tough in podcasting because sometimes it's a longer haul before you really start hearing from anybody or seeing tangible like downloads and stuff like that. Right. But 
it's all, it all comes down to the why behind it. Like what's the real reason you're doing this. And if you are truly out to build a community, the community that you're seeking is out there and you just have mm -hmm. to figure it out. And that's, this is the big why behind my show is helping people shift that learning curve uh, forward so that it doesn't take them. You know, I talk about it all the time when I, when I do live presentations, I, I got on the big stage at PodFest this year and I was like, it took me three years to make $37 when everybody else in the monetization <laughs> track is like, I made six, six figures my first year, bro. And <laughs> I'm like, you know, in one day, one, one email marketing campaign, I made $2 million. I'm like, I made $37 in three years. Who wants to sign <laughs> up for my program? Um, <laughs> but I kick it real. And I'm like, listen, this is a long journey, but now I pay myself a, you know, I'm, I'm paying all my bills. I'm full-time and I'm very happy, mm -hmm. very successful in this industry, but I can help people get there a lot faster than what I did. Um, right. so you gotta realize it's a bit of a journey. There is a learning curve. It's different, uh, than what they're probably used to, uh, content creation wise as an author. But I feel like if you have the creativity in you to write novels, nonfiction, fiction, whatever, like you've got what it takes to be a podcaster a hundred percent because podcasters are people that enjoy conversations. They enjoy being creative. Uh, they enjoy being interesting. And I feel like though there's some inner mixing with those creativity genes, you know? Yeah. And we just have to go, okay. Cause I know they're all thinking what in the world am I going to talk about? <laughs> you know, like <laughs> yeah. I, again, like I have this genre that I serve, but just go into you know, the definition of who is your super fan, who is like the person who's obsessed with your books, who is that, what are they interested in Then find the intersection of what they're interested in and what you're interested in. And there is your podcast. And mm -hmm. then start doing topics on that. Maybe you've got a co-host, maybe you invite, um, I've got a client that invites a listener in to be her co-host for every episode. So she's got a new quote unquote co-host, which is a listener and it's a super cool show called top, the top five podcast with Chris McPeak. And they create these top five lists. So I'm getting ready to go on her show uh, tomorrow. We're going to talk about uh, my top five ranked Will Ferrell movies. And mm -hmm. I get to pick the, the topic. And so you could do something like that. Uh, do panels uh, on, on your genre, have other authors. And like, there are so many possibilities where a goal that I set when somebody first launches and at first it seems intimidating, but then once we go through this little, this little process, mm -hmm. it's a pretty big aha moment. I go, okay, 52. That's the magic number for me as a podcaster, 52 episodes. That's one episode a week for the first year. That's 52. If you do this, you're in, you're going to make it. Um, because I'll drop a stat here in a minute and remind me to tell you this because it'll blow your mind. But not very many people make that 50, 52 mark. So, right. all right, 52. Then we go, what am I going to say for 52 episodes? And I'll have them make a list. I'll go, all right, I'd love for you to do some solo episodes where you just talk about something for 10 minutes. And it could be anything in your genre. As an author, like, you know, maybe you um, can come up with a list of 15 to 20 topics you could talk about for 10 minutes that are on your genre. Maybe it's just a book recommendation, something that you're reading. Maybe you talk about the writing process. Uh, my friend Summer talked about how she wrote a romance novel in, in one month, like her whole, she broke down that process of like 
how she did that, why she did it. And the whole thing was pretty, pretty cool episode, Mm -hmm. but like that, you know, what solo topics could you dish on there? Then you go, all right, who are other people in my space that I could bring on to talk on my show that I would love? Like, what's your 20 plus person wish list? And then once you have those two things, you've got like 40, maybe the full 52, like your list is almost complete. Because I guarantee these authors, these are creative people. They have, they can nail these two things quick. Like in 10 minutes, they're done. All of a sudden they've got 40 plus episodes right there. Okay. Now what's the next thing we're worried about? Like, you know, then it's just the how it's not the why is taken care of. Now it's like, how do I do the tech and all that? That can, that's Googleable. You can pay people like me to help you out, whatever. And like, now it's just getting it done and, and getting it out there. So that's the first hurdle we usually have to get over is just that confidence of, is there enough content out there for me to create? And once we dispel that myth, then right. on. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. So a couple of things, I noticed you said they could talk on something for 10 minutes and that might be another part of the thing that's really intimidating. You know, I literally am subscribed to history podcasts that have five hour episodes, you know, and they're great, but I think people look at that and go, I don't know if I can talk for an hour. So can you talk about the length a little bit and how, yeah. what you think about that? Yeah. Yeah. Not everybody can be Dan Carlin, hardcore history. Like that guy right. is freak. <laughs> he's a freak of nature um, <laughs> and he's, he's great at it. Like, I mean, he's amazing, but with, when it comes to a podcast, whether it's a solo episode, an interview, whatever type of episode you're doing, I get this question a lot. And I get where people are coming from, but I'm like, why are you thinking this way? Um, <laughs> they go, what's the perfect length? Like they want me to tell them the algorithm says 17 minutes and 42 seconds. Your, your, right. <laughs> your episode must be this length or people will unsubscribe. And like, it just doesn't happen that way. So for me, yeah. say what you've got to say, have the conversation that you need to have. Once you feel like that has been accomplished, episode done. So if that's 10 minutes, if that's an hour, whether it's 10 hours, you know, don't feel like just because you listen to the Joe Rogan podcast doesn't mean you have to have three, lo- three hour long episodes. Right. doesn't mean that at all. When I do a solo episode, I usually end up in the 10 to 20 minute range. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did a show called podcast launch tips, uh, where a lot of them were under 10 minutes. I would just take one tip. I basically took my course that people pay me for, and I broke down each everything that people are paying me for into podcast episodes. And I did a 10 minute tip, gave it all out for free. There you go. And so that's, I mean, it's just however long, especially if you're teaching on something, those 10 minute style episodes are very valuable because it's focused. People right. give them too much stuff they can't implement. So I love just a quick hitter thought, a book recommendation. That episode could be 10 minutes, mm-hmm. you know, a favorite book, a new book, uh, audit or a review, uh, what you love about it, what you, what you would have done differently. Like there's so many interesting conversations that you could have. Like if I was an author, I would probably do an episode every once in a while called if I was this author and it based off of like, if you wrote this book, here's the one change I would have made and where the story would have gone. Yeah. Uh, or, or the one improvement or the one thing I wish they had done that I would definitely would have done or mm-hmm. you know, something like that. Those are interesting conversations. And if 
your audience is obsessed with that genre and you're kind of kicking out that kind of content. People love that alternate reality stuff, you know, yeah, like, yeah. like everything that Disney is doing with like the Avengers and they're like peeling off into these multiverse things. It's like, if mm -hmm. this happened, then this would happen. Uh, like people love that stuff. So mm -hmm. what would you change about maybe a classic nonfiction novel in your genre? And maybe once a month you do an episode of what you would have done differently. Like if, if it's like, if you, they, this person would have fell in love with that person instead of this one, or if this person didn't get killed or whatever, how it would have changed the story and how you would have unpacked that. That's super mm -hmm. cool. And your people will love it. And then yeah. you bring in something like that speak pipe thing, or you go into your Facebook group or you go into your Instagram live and you interact with your audience around that. So maybe you do an Instagram live once a week and you do one of these, what if episodes and they listen to it and they know you're going live on Tuesday night and like, join me and let me know what you thought of the, of the, the latest, what if scenario. And like there's now there's a whole conversation happening. You can pull them up on the screen with you, or you can do the speak pipe thing, have them record audio, put it on the episode, whatever. And I'm always just looking for opportunities to pull my audience in. Like, how do I get, make them a part of the show, whether it's a podcast audit, pod pals, doing Instagram lives, doing the audio clip thing. I'm a community builder and I know when I build relationships, I build my business. So yeah, that's, that's kind of a, a major focus point for me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I got to tell you, I, uh, my podcast is geared toward authors. I don't actually have one that's geared toward readers, but you're kind of making me want to start another podcast, you know, with this conversation because these yes. are really fun ideas. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Well, um, I, I'm never at a shortage of ideas. That's a gift and a curse. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I'm always excited to idea dump a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Well, and just for the listeners, something I thought of while you were talking too is um, talking about tropes. I know that that's one that for readers, you know, that you could talk about things like how this particular author handled this trope and whether you're a fan or not a fan or, you know, things like that. So those yeah. are always fun to talk about. Yeah. Um, one other thing that I wanted to mention from before, kind of circling back to it, when it comes to social media, writing, at least in the, when you're doing the writing, is kind of the ultimate time for money task. You know, we can't really outsource the writing of our novels to somebody. Um, so people tend to be very guarded about the writing time. And, you know, that's the thing that we have to get done because otherwise we have no business. So do you have, you know, a certain process for how you kind of uh, limit your time on social media and for marketing? Yes. And let's just rock people's worlds for a second here. <laughs> I do all these things. Like you look at my social media, you listen to my show and people get the impression of like, this guy's 24 seven. Like he's just full blast. I kick out a lot of content. Mm -hmm. I work three, I work three days a week. I have a three day work week. All right. Wow. I work Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I take off Friday through Monday. All right. So that takes structure big time. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. And, you know, like I'm a family first guy and I'm not one of those people and not saying that it's wrong, but I'm not like, let's see how much money I can make. And, you know, that, that's, not, I'm like, bills are paid. We're good. I can feed my giant 11 year old son and my, my, my <laughs> second grade daughter. We're good. Um, I'm more of an enough versus more guy. And then I take that extra time and I go, okay, now I can coach basketball and now I can be the dad that you know, does workouts. That's my background is in health and strength training and stuff. I can do workouts with my kids and give them an advantage and I can take them to school. I can take them to practice. I can be a volunteer PTO. Like 
I'm one of the only dads that gets involved with all like the, the pro the, the typical stereotypical mom activities at school. Like I'm there with all the moms, like, what's up ladies, you know, PTO, <laughs> you know, like all these things. I'm proud of that. So, yeah. so I just like to lay that out there. Like when it comes to all the things that I'm doing, if you are willing to get very efficient uh, and like you said, blocking it off. So I think your author mind will really work with this, my, my style of a system mm-hmm. where it's like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Tuesday is when I create content. All right. I, I take the first half of the day. That's when I'll do interviews for my show. I'll do solo episodes. I'll batch record. I just get in the zone. Like I told you before we hopped on, I, I just did two podcast audits right before we did this. Mm-hmm. I prefer to do interviews on other people's shows like this on Tuesdays. It's just like creation, creativity. Like I feel like since I've already done two episodes of my own show before we got on, my brain's warmed up. I've ha- probably had a few better ideas than I would have if I came in cold or like mm-hmm. doing these like spot, you know, every once in a while. And I can be kind of a pain in the butt to book. Like you made the special thing for me. But I'm like, I can produce. If we do this, it's going to be better. Um, right. So I, I, and I feel that ownership. I'm like, all right, I got to level up now because she did a little special Tuesday spot for me here. <laughs> um, but so I, I get in the zone. I get in flow state there. I do live casts. I do all my coaching at the back at edge of the day. So the first half of the day is all about creation. Then on Wednesday is usually my business day. The first half of that day is, you know, what am I optimizing? What's a new course I'm creating my new offer or like, usually it's just some sort of leveling up. I'm working on my, my sales pages, my email marketing, whatever. So it's like a, a business leveling up morning. And then I do mm-hmm. coaching uh, in the afternoon. And then Thursday is wrap up the current week where I do a lot of consultations and prospecting and I'll kind of put a, a bow on those conversations and, and follow up where I needed to follow up you know, onboard new clients and customers, and then I'll set up my next week schedule. So I finish off the current week, set up the next week, and then I check out. And it makes me be super efficient and effective. Um, Now, when I say I don't work, I will give myself up to 30 minutes per day on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, to check my email, put out any fires, do a little bit of Instagram marketing, and I'm good. So I get 30 minutes a day, but no more than that. That is a hard and fast rule where that way I can keep my social media presence up, but it's just like, all right, here's the timer, 30 minutes, let's go. And right. I'll just like, I'll scan my email. What's like glaring. Like if my VA hits me up, like someone is pissed, you know, that I got to go follow <laughs> up with them uh, or whatever. Um, and, or if I got to get a, a, a little uh, Instagram reel out or something like that, I'll, I'll mess with that. And that way everything runs smoothly, but you've got a batch record. You've got a batch, uh, you know, schedule your content. And it's just like when you're putting in author hours, like you probably know you're a early morning writer or an evening writer or mm-hmm. whatever that is, you apply those principles and you do the same thing with podcasting. I've got clients that record for one hour per month and they'll kick out four 15 minute episodes in one batch record recording. They send it, uh, my team, you take care of their, their editing production and then they're done, you know, and that's a month of having a podcast. And then they have, you know, people that they delegate their social media to and things like that. And it can be that simple. So there's definite possibilities there to keep it simple, effective, and still really make a big impact. Good. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. And that's actually what I've started to do because I have a lot of words to write every week and just, you know, what they say about how 
switching tasks automatically makes you a little bit less productive. So I've started mm-hmm. to do, which is, which I actually feel a little bit hypocritical doing because I preach daily writing habits, but that is also mostly to train their brain to do the writing. Yeah. Once you have that, I actually have started doing all of my writing one day and all of my editing the next day and then working on my business. You know what I mean? So it's, it's kind yeah. of the same thing, just blocking out what you need. Yeah. You have to, I totally get what you're saying. It's almost like working out. Like you have to just like kind of build up that, that, you know, when you first start working out, it's like, oh my God, I'm sore all the time, but I just got to keep showing up and just kind of build the habit. And then you can optimize with the, like the optimal workout routine and do this on this day, that on the other day. So yeah, I totally get it. You're speaking my language. (laughs) Good. Good. Well, thank you so much. This is really, really helpful. And I think we've got a lot of really great tips for authors. So can you kind of give us, you know, like, this is really broad, but like your most important things that they might know to build a business in general. So that is another thing that we have to teach them is that, of course, you can noodle around and write for yourself. But if you want to make a business out of it, you have to, you know, treat it like a business. So what are your top, you know, whatever, three or five business tips for anybody in any market? Well, I'll just give you one mantra that I repeat to myself over and over and over again. And that's if I build relationships, I'll build my business. And to me, that's like with podcasting, that's the great relationship facilitator where I get to meet people like you, like collaboration partners, people that, you know, we can create content together. I get to meet people that eventually become a client. I get to meet people that I hire and to be my coach. It's just, you build relationships, you build your business and you go into every opportunity looking like, We got to be good at making friends and Mm -hmm. and networking and giving value first without expectation back, because we've all been in those moments where it's like, they're trying to sell me something. Email marketing is a great example where I have friends to my best friends, people that I'm in like their wedding type of friends that I know if if I get an email from them, like like they're in business and I'm on their list. If I get an email from them, 100% 100% they're trying to sell something. That's the only time they will email. I'm like, I call them out on all the time. I'm like, dude, you have to email other than when you're just trying to sell something because I know right. it's coming. So like, you can't put off that vibe. You have to be somebody that's a value adder. Let people plug into your mojo. Let them plug into your energy and your brand and until they build up their own. And if you can be that person, you can be a community builder, somebody that provides a safe home for whatever it is that your audience loves to nerd out on, create that. And then you have a captive audience and you're their go-to person, whether you're writing books or selling coaching, like what I do, like you create that hub and that makes, that gives you the power against all these multi-million dollar marketing brands that have all the dollars, the Facebook market and spam people, but you're like the real person, you're the people's champion. And that's mm-hmm. what I feel like there's a lot more of us than there is of the multi-million dollar marketing companies. So that's something that we can lean into. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I think we have a lot of evidence of it the last 10 years or whatever, you know, as things have gone digital and people have connected more, we've seen a lot of those big businesses have problems, you know, because they're not doing that necessarily. And they're so used to just being the only player on the playground. And now that's not the case anymore. (laughs) Yeah. And everybody's leaning into tech and bots and everything. So it's like when you Instagram voice message somebody, here's how bad it is. I will do my Instagram voice message thing and I say their name and I purposely say what day it is. I'm like, uh, what's up, Dave? It's, it's your buddy Adam from, from Podcasting Business School. Hope you're having a great Tuesday, blah, 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 blah. 
sometimes I still get responses. What app are you using to automate this? This is so realistic. <laughs> I'm like, I'm using my voice, my, my voice app. Like, what are you talking about? This is not a bot, you know? They're like, this is really well done. How? Do, what app is this? I'm like, oh my God, we are brainwashed. This is crazy. Yeah, it's kind so, of sad, isn't it? <laughs> but that's how we stand out. Like, we're yeah. not the bot. This isn't highly leveraged interaction. This is like real human to human stuff. And ever since 2020, people are really craving human to human interaction because we got a lot of isolation that year, year and a half or whatever. And now it's like, right. we need a little extra dose of realness with people. And that's like you said, where a lot of the big companies that were just dumping dollars into automated, you know, evergreen, non-human AI bot stuff. It's not working as well right now. And mm -hmm. real people that are willing, willing to put in real work and build real relationships are really leveling up with their business. So yeah, we got to go all in, build those relationships. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. I think this, that's really, really valuable for well, for anybody, you know, especially for authors. So thank you so much for being here, Adam, and for sharing your, your knowledge of podcasting with us. Um, anybody who wants to learn how to podcast more than, than what Adam said here can go follow him and his uh, podcast is called, like he said, Podcasting Business School. Where else can they connect with you? Uh, I hang out on Instagram. So find Podcasting Business School on Instagram. And yeah, my website is podcastingbusiness.school. Uh, I do have the claim to fame as the simplest website in all the land. I have <laughs> one, vi one video and three buttons and uh, it's pretty easy to navigate. Got a bunch of free tools to help you with your podcasting journey, no matter where you're at. And I even have things that you can pay me for to help me feed my kids. So um, <laughs> go, go check that out, but listen to my show. I, I challenge you to listen to five to 10 episodes and if you aren't addicted by then, I will, I'll give you all your money back for my free podcast. So <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a great guarantee. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks again for being here and good luck with everything. Thanks. Thanks everybody. Before you go, if you found value in this episode, can you do me a solid and share it with other authors you think might benefit from it? Remember the rising tide lifts all boats. Also, if you haven't yet, would you be willing to leave me a review on Apple Podcasts? It's the only way for me to know that you're enjoying the podcast, and it helps Apple recommend it to other authors like you who might benefit from it. Finally, if you haven't already, hop over and join the prolific author community on Facebook. Inside, authors network, ask questions, and I often do teaching via Facebook Lives. Thank you so much for listening today. Happy storycrafting this week. And remember, there is always a market for awesome.